the way our culture and our society is that we build this expectation of perfection and performance and that everything is focused on that. Um, I think we're setting our, 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 our girls up for, for, for breakdowns. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast with your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. You'll hear authentic, entertaining stories with tips, lessons, and wisdom from champions to inspire, motivate, and educate you. You'll get the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo Podcast. Today's show is going to be phenomenal. How would you like to get rid of your insecurities and confidently kick the door down that blocks access to your dreams? Well, if the answer is yes, then stick around. We're going to talk with Trish Blackwell, who is one of the nation's leading confidence coaches. She's the author of the book, Insecurity Detox, a breakout plan to rejuvenate your body, mind, and spirit which was published in 2016. And there's a lot more to Trisha's resume, which we'll get to after we introduce our co-host, Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Hi, Kelly. Hi. I'm really excited about today's interview. I've been looking forward to talking with Trish. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Trish. Besides being a confidence coach and author, She has a super successful podcast called The Confidence Podcast, which has over 1.5 million downloads. Amazing. And she's a wife, mom, surfer, snowboarder, runner, Ironman triathlete. Finally, Trish is passionate about empowering others to live the life of their dreams. She believes in self-acceptance, the power of positive thinking, and that with confidence, you can conquer anything. You can learn more about her at TrishBlackwell.com. Thanks, Maria. And before we bring Trish on, I have to add that besides all the accomplishments that we've mentioned, that one of the reasons we're having Trish on the show is that she is a true champion, having been a full scholarship swimmer at Division I Davidson College and a member of our USA World Championship team in duathlon, just to name a couple of her athletic accolades besides doing Ironmans. (laughs) So, We're going to be talking about detoxing insecurities, but we're also going to pick Trisha's brain a little bit on what she learned from athletics that she carried into her hugely successful life today. So without further delay, Trish, welcome to Champions Mojo. Yes, Trish, welcome. (laughs) Thanks, girls. I I mean, you really know how to how to build a girl up. Like before you even started recording, we, uh, you, you gave me compliments after compliment. I'm feeling good. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we're really grateful to have you. So Trish, what drew you to being a confidence coach? So what drew me to my a, being a confidence coach was really my experience. If we do an aerial view beyond just my bio, um, I, I was a really successful athlete at a young age. So at age 10, I set a national age group record in 100 freestyle, um, which has since, since been sadly been broken, but excitingly been broken because girls are getting faster and faster. And that's awesome. Um, but I, 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 I had a lot of attention and a lot of um, just... Um, pursuit of excellence. And I loved that. Unfortunately, in my story, a lot of that performance and a lot of being a high performance athlete and having Olympic dreams and these, you know, just um, goals for yourself comes with a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And so though on the outside, it wasn't noticeable that no one in the world would see, 
um, I I expected perfection from myself in my every single workout, in every single class I took. You know, it was the kind of classic type A taking to an extreme. I was so, so focused to, to prove myself to be the best, right? It was all my identity was tied into that. And so what I'd lost in this whole experience of swimming in my athletics was that my identity is not in my performance. My identity is is in I mean, my value is in who I'm becoming and what I get from sports, not from what I can prove my, of myself in a sport, if that makes sense. And so I realized, wow, the world, if they look at it, and I've always had like kind of a pretty outgoing, confident, bubbly personality. So you can look at an extrovert and be like, well, she's, she's successful. She's smart. She's got check, 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 right. You're checking the boxes. Of course she's confident, but I'm like, it, I had, I had no self-esteem, like internally, no self-esteem, no self-belief. And it was perpetuating. I had these like pretty basic, what you would look at now go basic breakthroughs made me go, I I have, I've created my own issue. And so when I started personal training, I realized I wanted to help people get through the mental stuff and help people who X on the outside look like they have it all together. Be that voice that says, I, I know that you're actually struggling with self-doubt. Like let's like, just because we're confident on the outside or we look like we've got it together most more often than not, it's just a facade and the effort, the emotional and mental effort that goes into the facade can actually be really toxic and debilitating to our internal growth and our internal success. And so, um, yeah, I fell into personal training and realized, wait a second, this is like coaching. I get to help people. It's not about the workout. It's about what am I teaching them in their mind and how can I get them to shift their thoughts? And then that then morphed into okay, well, this is awesome. I can help 10 people a day in the gym, but how can I help hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people? And that's what then launched this confidence coaching. Wow. Beautiful. And you're always talking about finding that quiet place and, and sort of shutting it down. Do you have trouble with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl, for sure. Um, and so the most important thing for me to be the best, like I'm interested in being the 100% version Trish. I lived a lot of my life at the 50%. And if you looked on the outside, the 50% was still like high performing Trish. Like, but I want that when I'm, when I'm making time to be quiet and to journal and for me to spend time with God or to take a walk, to walk my dog without my phone on me, that is as important as a workout. Like that's that for me as an athlete, that's how I'm, I'm always like, okay, this 15 minutes of workout <laughs> is as important on my life, my overall being my mental health and actually my physical results. Then I'll, I'll relate it to like, I'm like 15 minutes of quiet or three mile run, which is more important. Not that I'm running three miles in 15 minutes, don't worry. But like, I actually have to talk myself into it by saying this is as important as a workout. So that has been a helpful shift for me because otherwise um, my words are just jumbled. Like I have so many thoughts and so many ideas and so many, so many creative outlets and things I want to do. Yeah, you're right. You can run yourself in a circle. That's sure. Beautiful. Sure. Thanks, Trish. So um, Trish, one of the things that we've, we do on this podcast is we've, we've interviewed a lot of the top college swimming coaches and they seem to tell us that there is a crisis of confidence among their women swimmers. And I would like for you to tell us what you think is going on there. What you just said, I'm actually writing the phrase down, a crisis of confidence. I work with a, a few athletes in my co coaching business. Um, and I have one um, collegiate athlete, a swimmer, and, um, and an Olympic uh, uh, ice skater that I, I uh, from 
that I was working with. And the crisis of confidence is not just in the sport of swimming. I would agree it's across the board in female sports. And I would, for me, I would relate it back to what, how I, the first question I answered is how is it that I was even interested in confidence, right? Like is, did I have a a confidence crisis or an identity struggle? Um, like, you know, rock bottom moment. And I think to be a high, the, the way our culture and our society is that we build this expectation of perfection and performance and that everything is focused on that. Um, I think we're setting our, 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 our girls up for, for, for breakdowns for, and there's not enough mental wellness that's incorporated into a lot of athletics, particularly swimming, um, that it's just, just do it, just get it done, do it, keep showing up. Um, and there's, uh, this, this lack of, of resources for really developing the, the mental game behind it. I mean, we certainly at Davidson, we certainly had great resources. We had therapists on staff and we had access to, um, you know, sports psychologists, but from my memory now, look, I'm older than I'd like to admit, like this is, I think 15 years ago. No, it was only 15 (laughs) years ago, 15 years ago. So my memory may, may fail me, but I remember simply just a couple of conferences and like there were lectures that came in and I remember walking away from with my teammates going, well, that was stupid. Like, thanks for telling us to, and we had sports nutritionists come in and thanks for telling us to eat more spaghetti. Like that was kind of the, the, the takeaways that we had. So I think there's a, there's like kind of a bandaid effect thrown on it, but not real life application. And I, I actually think athletic teams need an on staff coach, like somebody who's going to be available one, one session with a coach, one session working on their um, sports psychology or mindset or nutrition is not going to help actually implement the things that need to be done and teach like Maria, like you were saying, actually making 15 minutes to journal when you're trying to schedule all of, all of your classes and things, or you're working a job or you're doing like making time for that doesn't seem like a priority. So we don't make it a priority. So we, I guess my answer to what's the crisis of confidence issue in athletics. It's a, it's a conflict of priorities of knowing that it's more important to give your team time to journal and time to grow and work with a coach than to do an extra dry land. It's hard. Oh, and gosh, then, I and then I think, to, sorry, and Kelly, one more thing I'd add to it. I yeah. think there's a crisis of body confidence and self-esteem and comparison and this, I need to be more hydrodynamic in the water. And okay. And that's how my, I, my, my, my eating disorder started. I had an eating disorder for the last eight years of my athletic career, um, in swimming. And it's, it's, it's devastating because I know it hindered my performance. And so you think, well, I'm going, my body has changed. So if I can just lose weight, so we're under fueling and over, exercising. And then what happens is we often hold on to weight as a result of that. So there's just very complex. Um, but I think it's a priority issue. Priority. I love that. So, um, you know, we, we have swimmers and non-swimmers that listen. And, and I think in general, I mean, the, the athletes that are having this crisis of confidence that, that I think women in general out there, were having a a crisis of confidence, no matter what age we are, because we're all, we are all, we have insecurities. So when Maria and I were talking about the topic for today's uh, podcast, we were thinking, do we call it, you know, confidence, more confidence? We've done one podcast on pump up your confidence. And that was just from Maria and my perspective. And then, then we were like, well, we're having this expert. Um, should we talk about confidence? But we decided, of course, that insecurities are kind of the flip side of confidence. So if you're insecure, you don't have confidence. And if you're confident, you don't have insecurities. So if um, you were going to say, like, to our listeners, athletic or non-athletic, what would be, like, three things that 
that they could do to be more secure in themselves and more confident? Well, so I'm actually going to, I'm going to, I'm going to morph your words just a little bit. Cause I, for so many years, and you can, as you know, my book is called insecurity detox. Um, recently my, 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 my breakthrough in the, in thinking about what is the opposite of confidence? I don't know if the opposite of confidence is insecurity because I don't think a lot of us raise our hands to say, yeah, I'm super insecure. Cause I mean, we all have insecurities. If we talk about it in the plural form, I think we go, oh yeah, that resonates. But in, am I insecure? No. I mean, look, I'm successful. I'm doing this. So why? Well, yeah, it's just we. What we do is we we sort of write ourselves off for. Oh, well, this is just stupid and silly that I worry so much about this, and we sort of dismiss it. Hmm. And it's this dismissal that pressure pushes it down a little bit, and then tells us, well, of course this is not a priority because it's stupid, and so it then self perpetuates. And so in thinking about this, I think I think the real opposite of confidence is self doubt. Hmm. It's this. Because I think a lot more people will raise their hand and go, "Oh yeah, I definitely struggle with self doubt. I'm not sure if I can. Man- I, I'm not sure if I can say no. I'm not sure if my I can um, do this. I'm not sure about my time management. I'm not sure about my really. I, like I, there's. I think we, we we relate more to the the phrase self doubt than insecure, because you can have a very confident person who struggles with self doubt. I, I mean, I, I'm convinced the confidence journey is a, is a lifelong journey. So to answer your question, I'm going to look at it from the from the lens of insecurity and self-doubt. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Yeah. What three things to actually do? I think we already we hit on the the one is to to prioritize personal growth. That your personal growth and time and again, it could be as simple as um, 15 minutes. I actually have this this 8-minute idea that I think sometimes we go, "Well, I don't have 15 minutes." Mm-hmm. Cuz we're all busy, right? But you know what? Like and sometimes even 10 minutes. Embarrassingly, I got to transparently. Sometimes I'm like, well, I don't have 10 minutes. The truth is I do, but there's something magical that happens when I say, well, do you have eight minutes? Like, oh yeah, I can do eight. <laughs> yeah. like, it's something weird, right? Like, yes. Uh, okay. So, so do eight minutes. So, so even if someone starts with something as simple as I commit to eight minutes of personal growth every day, that, that you prioritize your personal growth as, as much as you would prioritize a workout. And what would you, what would you, put in there? What would you put in there as a personal yeah, growth I, I exercise? I was going to say, because personal growth can be listening to podcasts or reading books, but you're talking about something else, I think. I am talking about something else. I am talking, so let me reframe that and go more specific. Right, writing, having time to, writing or meditate or prayer or be quiet um, and and actually think. So, and writing, when, when you take a journal and you write, it doesn't have to be like, I'm writing in these beautiful paragraphs, like a diary. But sometimes writing is like, like writing down, like, you know, um, Kelly, you said the phrase co- a crisis of confidence and you might just write down on the paper. And the, and I, I actually put a timer on myself. I will use my Apple watch and say, set alarm, Siri, set alarm for eight minutes. And it will, and I'll just, I'm not allowed to open my email. I'm not allowed to do anything else. Cause we get so many being like, you know, ting, 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 um, notifications and, Oh, I should text that person back. Like you just honor the eight minutes or the 15, whichever you choose. And you're quiet with that piece of paper. And it doesn't mean you have to write anything else down. But a lot of times if we give ourselves the space, we then come up with other words and then you, or you could write a sentence. And I often, one of my, I I do this with my coaching clients is what's your toxic thought of the day. Now, Mm. what is the truth? Like, gosh, I love that. Know the truth. 
Hmm. Wow. But then you can take, and, and so, and if somebody's coming from a faith perspective, when I coach my faith-based clients, um, what I do is I take my Bible out or actually I take Google out and I Google Bible verse or blank and whatever that toxic thought is. And then sometimes all of my journaling is writing that, that, that verse or that affirmation or whatever someone wants to use as, as an answer to the toxic thought. Hmm. And it's just sitting there and being with it. And sometimes I, sometimes I spend the whole time writing. Sometimes I spend the whole time looking at the, the word, the two words that I wrote on the paper, but it gives me time to think. And what it does is it, 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 it declutters our thoughts. It's that like Marie Kondo method for your mind. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so yeah. I want to ask about that because I, I, I think, you know, you have to be in a certain physical space to do that because right now if I sat down and try to write and you know like all the boxes and things around I mean I can't even I'd have to put on blindfold so I loved your I loved your going outside with the dog without the cell phone I mean that I mean just because you sometimes you have to physically for me I have to physically separate myself from my my rushing thoughts and my clutter and my whatever or even, I mean, here's, I, I talk about sometimes in my coaching, hey, let's go 1990s on this, right? Like, let's <laughs> leave the house, let's leave the house and grab, I have this like really ugly notebook, my husband's notebook, like flower bound three, nothing I would pick up, but something clearly from like CVS for a dollar. Take a pen, take a, a little notebook of paper and go sit out 10 minutes um, in, on, in the grass. Yeah. I was going to say walk your dog and then like, you know, text yourself your thoughts. But then again, now we have the cell phone following us. Right. There's something beautiful about the 1990s of going, I'm going 1990s on this. And I kind of like the phrase because I'm like, I'm going, I mean, it's me saying to myself, I'm going technology free and I'm going to be okay. Yeah, oh, like and that. when I have a good idea, I've got pen and paper to write down. Yeah. So I can write it down. Right. So that's so honoring that space. Yeah. I think you're right. Like there are times when you, it's not ideal where in your, in your, in, in your atmosphere, but sometimes even a post-it note when you're surrounded by boxes is also going to work. Is it, is it perfect? No, but it doesn't have to be. So how do you quiet your thoughts and, uh, and try to, you know, you know, not think about all of the things on your to-do list when, during this period. So I'm, I'm going to call that number two because, um, of, so first we're going to prioritize your, yourself, your, your personal growth and your, through journaling. And the second is, is pr I would, I'm going to use your words, practice quieting your thoughts. Um, I think it's an, it's an art skill. It's the same way. Um, uh, well, since, since I know you cycle Maria, I would say it, I haven't been on my, I've got a beautiful bike. Oh, I love it. And, and you ask me what it is right now. I don't know, but I know how much it costs. And it was a lot. And I <laughs> loved it from my army. Like I know enough that it's like, it's too expensive to be sitting in my garage not being used. Listen, I know. And it's, <laughs> it's custom painted. I, like, I was like, I'm all in, right. Cause I'm all or nothing. I do that. Um, uh, but it'd be like, I haven't been on my bike in two years. It'd be like me getting on my bike and be like, Maria, what, like what, why, why am I not keeping my, my, um, like, how is this my average pace? Or, um, I, I can't do a, a century ride. I can't do a century ride tomorrow. No, could I? Yes. Tomorrow I could do a century ride. It would be terrible. Right. Mm -hmm. I would be in a lot of pain. Um, it's the same way of like, just start you know, and, and if someone starts running by just starting, so we, we, we value it as a practice. I'm going to make this a goal to learn how to quiet my mind. And it's going to be awful. The same way it's when someone starts running and they've never run, I'm like, Oh, let me tell you a secret. The first mile, no matter what shape you're in is always terrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard that one. That's so true. When people say, when people say, I'm not like you, I don't like to exercise. And I think, well, wait a minute. It's not fun until after you're done. (laughs) And it's not fun. Like in swimming, like I hate warm up. Like I don't want to do the the first thousand of the workout. I'm like, oh, but nobody knows that most people are going to stop before that because like this feels terrible. And so I think it's the same thing of you not when you practice your quieting your mind enough, you start learning, oh, oh, um, it gets better. So it's still going to always feel awkward this first couple minutes. And mm-hmm. so I know that I know if I sit down and do eight minutes, I'm like, oh, it's going to feel, I'm not, I, I, my self-talk during it is like, this is stupid. <laughs> first, this is stupid. You know, this isn't <laughs> like, you just have to know, okay, that's normal. The same way I would jump in the pool. I'm like, why did I do this at 4 a.m.? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just the talk that we're used to that we just need to go, okay, I'm going to turn the volume of it down because it's, it's not going to serve me. I know it gets better. I know it's worth it. So I think the more you show up and you learn and you just practice, the better you're going to be. It's a, it's a muscle that we're strengthening. But then another way, I mean, even if you just want to, you want some anchoring points, you can go, I, I want today. I just want to listen to what the wind sounds like mm-hmm. that we can sometimes give ourselves a focus and that makes it better. Or, or maybe you don't listen to the wind. Maybe you go, how many birds can I hear? How many different birds can I hear? We just practice listening and that will help us quiet our thoughts. Oh, that is awesome. So we've got priori- prioritizing our personal growth, practice quieting our minds. Oh, man. Yes. And then I would say the one I love the most is take action. You want to be more confident. So I think, so take action. If you, I, I was recently speaking with someone who's like, I, I don't know, I want to become a life coach. Should I start coaching or should I get a certification or should I choose between this and that? I think we we need to do a lot more eeny, meeny, miny, miny mowing in our life and just go, okay, decision's done. Decision fatigue keeps so many people stuck. That is so true. Right? Like we just go, well, I need it to be the perfect decision. And you're like, it really doesn't matter. Like it really right. doesn't. You Like in that certification scenario, if you get one and you don't love it, go get the other one. We, we wait for people to say, yeah, you're good enough. And I think if we take more action, we will, we, well, we, we proved ourselves that our, in our character, we are consistent as people and consistency doesn't mean perfection. It just means we get back up every time, right. That we, that we have confidence to know that where we go, the wind is going to move. And if we are in a sailboat, we can change the sails or even better when your confidence really is revved up. We're in a motorboat. like We're in a speedboat. We can really go where we want. We're not worried about going the wrong direction because we can always course correct. And so I think a lot of people don't take action because they're afraid of like, well, I'm not able to course correct. Well, really? I love that. That's helpful. Yeah. It's helpful for me to go. My I, job I is to that. take action. I yeah. love that. Like you make and, an imperfect decision with what you have. Absolutely. Well, on my refrigerator, I only have one quote taped up there. I like a clean refrigerator, but one that's always with me, follows me wherever I go. Unlike Maria, who just moved after living in one house for 25 years, I've moved 25 Oof. times in 25 years. But yeah. um, this quote follows me everywhere. And it is, it's better to execute a good plan than to never execute the perfect plan. And that is General Patton. Yes. That's a quote from him. And and that is so decision fatigue. And I love that. I love that you've emphasized yeah, I, that. I do too, because decision fatigue in this world where we have, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a buffet with, with the internet and, and everything. There's so much out there and you could, you could research for a hundred years on, you know, so that's really, yes. I like that. I like the bias towards action. Yes. That's a good way to say it. Bias towards action. So we've done those three things now. Um, Let's let's tell us one of your stories of how you weren't confident. You did some of these things, and then you you had that breakthrough. 
Okay. So, I mean, I, I think maybe the, this isn't the best story, but the first one that comes to mind is that when I started this, when I labeled myself a confidence coach, so I've been writing a book, I've been growing and um, hadn't yet started the confidence podcast. Maybe it was right before I did. And I was working with a mentor, paying for um, investing in a mentorship with, with this high level coach. And it was so helpful. And I'll tell you the only reason it took action is because I knew I'm, you know, I'm that kind of girl that's motivated with a carrot. Like when I was, eight years old, my mom would make me do these ocean swims, like mile and a half ocean swims in Jersey. And the prize was you get a pack of big red gum and I would, do it. Oh, I'm gosh. scared of sharks, but I will swim a mile and a half in the ocean yes. for a pack of gum. That's, that's <laughs> the kind of girl I am. So just let me, like, I love gonna, it. We're going yeah. to qualify this story with that. So knowing how much money I'd spent on this coach, when I made a promise to myself, when he tells me to do something, you will do it. Right. Like that's what's going to get me to take action. Cause I wasn't always this good at like, good. I'm not good at taking action. I'm consistent on taking action. I wasn't always consistent on taking action because I was still overthinking and I wanted it to be perfect and look good and blah, blah, blah. Well, I said, I said, Todd, I feel like I don't know what to call myself. Like, I think I'm a confidence coach, but like, Todd, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not confident enough to be a confidence coach. And he was like, that's the whole essence. That's the reason. I was like, well, I've been doing this research and confidence coaching doesn't exist. Like I've Googled, I'm looking everywhere. This was about, this was about nine years ago. I was like, there's certainly no life coaching certifications on this. Like this does not exist. He's like, great, start it. I'm like, well, I can't do that. I don't have the confidence to do it. It was like this like absolute ridiculous thing that I um, felt called to be a confidence coach, but didn't have the confidence to start it. And the only reason y'all I did, I took action was because I was paying him enough money and I made myself this bribe of like, and I bought myself like my, the, you know, one of the first iPads that come out. I, 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 that was my, that was my prize. That was my big red gum. I was like, well, you have to do it. Right. And so um, I didn't feel ready but I knew I needed to start. And so I started taking action and I felt ridiculous when I was like, the first time I called myself a confidence coach, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. And it was like, okay, be okay. It's, it's, it's so funny. It's the same terminology, right? I, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I'm so stupid. This is so stupid. Why am I like, we self-talk in a way that like really puts ourselves down. And, and it's the same thing as it's just warm up, Trish right? It's stupid that I'm doing. No, it's just, just warm up. We're just, we're, we're going after imperfect action to take action. Um, so that's the first story that comes to mind. Does that, answer, I, I'm happy to share another one. I'd like to hear, I'd, I'd like to hear your first paid or maybe not paid, but your first confidence coach action. Did you like teach a class or did you actually get, yeah, get a, get a client or what happened? Mm, um, two, I would say two things. It was starting the podcast in my closet recording and thinking, I, I know no one. I knew no, I didn't even listen to podcasts before I started my podcast. I literally had a friend, this tech guy who was like, look, Trish, like I just, something tells me to come tell you, you should be doing a podcast. And I was like, uh, like, bro, I don't, I don't really don't know, even know what a podcast is. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't. He goes, and I go, and I don't, I'm not good at technology. I don't know how to do this. And he's like, I will. And he's completely platonic. Like he has a family, lovely family. He goes, I will come. I will, you give me your credit card. I will Sounds shady. It's not, you will, <laughs> I will buy the equipment for you. I will come to your house and set it up for you. It was like, it was like, forced on me y'all. I, and then, and then, and so when I started recording the podcast, the very first episodes, if you go way, way back, back, I literally am like, I'm probably just talking. This is crazy. I am a confidence coach, 
but essentially I'm in this, I'm sweating in a closet talking to myself with no idea if anybody's ever going to listen. And so then eventually, and then about a month or two later, I got my first coaching client and I felt, um, I had a lot of, yeah, to answer um, your question, Maria, is it was, okay, like you're scared, you're terrified, and you need to make sure that this person's money is worth it. And so I just did a lot of prep. I was real nervous. And I've, I, I've and then that's kind of when I discovered Eleanor Roosevelt's do one thing every day that scares you. Yeah. And I was really, I got, I was given a lot of freedom when I learned that to go, oh, I'm supposed to be scared. That doesn't mean I'm not capable or ready. It just means I care. So that was really game changing for me. And then I, I definitely over, over went above and beyond, beyond what I would coach somebody to do now. You know, I like I was trying to like overqualify myself or overserve with what somebody was getting with a, with coaching that were paying for me. There's no such thing as overserving, but I was definitely ultimately devaluing what I was giving by giving too much. Um, but it was, it was, I was, it was practicing Eleanor Roosevelt. So El I like to call it Eleanor Roosevelting it. So I've carried that through every day. Do, do something that scares you every day. Yeah. You also talk about fake it till you make it. And, um, and, and what do you, we call that where you, you know, you're, you don't believe in, you know, you're what, imposter syndrome. Yeah. That was, I was, yeah. So I know that, you know, I, I think anybody who's doing Eleanor Roosevelting is going to have imposter syndrome. So that means it, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, and, and so I simplify it and my, my, my expectations of myself are do one thing every day that scares you and show up, right? Like those are my only two things. Like I can control what I have control of. And I spent so much of my life trying to control what I couldn't control. And, and, and that affected, that's why I had so much self-doubt. And so when I, my, my confidence sh shifted, when I went into, well, what is it that I can control? Why don't I do those things? And then I will re I, I will just do those things consistently and I will see the winds come as they come. That is beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, Trish, so we could talk with you all day. Um, we have a couple of standard questions that I love to ask our champions. What uh, you learned from athletics that you carried into creating this dream life of yours? Oh, showing up. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I showed up at 4 a.m. practice, right? Like I, I think this consistency of time management and just going, this is what I'm supposed to do, whether I like it or not, I'm doing it was so life-giving to me. It really set me up for the rest of my life. That is that is awesome. And um, it won't be our last question, but another question in regards to that, what commonalities do you think that champions share or possess that that you see of, you know, champions? So you could think of it in your mind as as confident people. Yeah. Oh, man. What do they share in their minds? Um, I think a, a vision bigger than themselves, a desire to show up in this world in a way that makes the world better for them having been there, right? It's this willingness to go, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into something greater than myself because I'm not worried about what people think because it's not about me. Um, and then I really think it's perseverance. It's this, I, I don't need it's the perseverance and the course correcting confidence that's there of going, I'm just supposed to do this little thing. What's the next best decision for me? Let me do that. And we can, I have a clear vision of what the future goal is, right? But I'm not overwhelmed or discouraged by how far away that is. Instead, I know I just need to show up. Like I need to show up as a champion shows up for every little thing. 
So they, yeah. they're able to sort of compartmentalize into what am I supposed to do today right now? I love it. Now, so one of the things that we we have talked to all these coaches about, about the confident people that they do have, both men and women, that are super confident is that they generally don't give a hoot what anybody thinks of them. Yes. So can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, I, um, the, the, that was probably the number one thing I was missing the most in the second half of my, my swimming career. And I would look around because I cared so much what people thought of me. How do we get to a place where we don't care what people think? I know. That is the story of my life. That is why I started confidence coaching. Well, I think you do it by, by, really, by releasing yourself from it, by realizing, first realizing, oh, I've been stuck or not reaching my full potential because of this, this, I am caring too much what people think. And then I think that's where the deep confidence work comes where and the deep confidence breakthroughs are going to come from some of those three, three things we shared earlier of like prioritizing your, um, your, the practice of thinking, prioritizing that self-growth, um, and, and you're quieting yourself and taking action. And then I think sometimes there's some things, I mean, little ways you can start is start intentionally going, I'm just, I'm going to intentionally do something I would normally care too much what people think, and I'm not going to do it. Maybe, and this sounds a little extreme, but maybe you wear your pajama pants to the grocery store. Yes. Yay. Right. Right. <laughs> like for me, my big, my big shift was when I, when I got my, like my, my bike custom painted, like it's like Barbie bright pink. And I was like, this is so stupid, Trish people. And it was like, that's all the more reason you should, because you're doing it for you. Right. Like start doing those things. You're like, why do I care? And not in a, like, I don't think we should all wear our jammies to the grocery store every day, but if that's a hangup or you're afraid of some, something somebody's going to th- say or think, I think we start doing things that would make us previously uncomfortable or that we've kind of self-padded against to help us go, oh, and it's still okay. Oh, and wait, they weren't even thinking about me anyways. Oh, that is gold. My, my daughter did this in college. She she wanted to, I think it was for actually for a class, but she wanted, she was very insecure and very, you know, concerned about what people thought of her. So she went into an ice cream st- shop with her finger in her nose and held, and held it there for like 30 minutes and, you know, kind of looked at people and talked to people with her finger in her nose. <laughs> yeah. And she wrote about it. And um, she, you know, she, I, I, I so admired that. I was like, you know, that, is, yeah, but you know, th- that, that, that was a step for her. And what, could I piggyback on that? Uh, piggyback sure. on that because one, one tip that I have done and that is still uncomfortable for me to do, but helps me sort of shake it when I'm feeling caught up in it is to go into a coffee shop, Starbucks. And when you make your order, your $2, $4 order, whatever, say, can I get a discount? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> because we, nobody wants to do it. Cause we're like, well, I don't want the barista to think I'm cheap. You're like, but why does it matter what the barista thinks of you? And sometimes a lot of times there's been research on this. This is a, a, a topic that's research that, that a lot of times people go, you know what? Sure. I'll give you my employee discount. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's awesome. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly's been preaching that for years. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I want to also, um, Maria allude to your other daughter. Cause the story about the ice cream store was Lucia, right? No, that was Genevieve. Oh, that was Genevieve. Okay. Yeah, so I thought yeah. that was Lucia, but yeah. so you, 
have raised strong daughters. I mean, I know Lucia doesn't care what people think of her, and right. she is just she's an awesome businesswoman, mother, yes. wife, yes. amazing, amazing. Um, I, I, I and, don't know how it happened, but I have amazing. Yeah, you, amazing she has daughters. Trish. She has two amazing strong daughters. So I didn't. I. I didn't hear whether that was Lucia or Jenna, but I know another thing that Jenna did that I think was way more brave and way more, I don't give a hoot about what people think. She shaved her head bald to the bone. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. And that's when, (laughs) oh yeah. Oh, it was. And how old was she? Like 16, like the prime of when 16. Yeah. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. prime of, I need to be beautiful for everybody. She just said, I don't care what people think. And she shaved her head. And I I think that was, she did care. And I think she was doing sort of instinctively what Trish recommends, try trying to get over that. But Trish, I want to, there's something that I listened to in one of your podcasts that I want you to talk about because part of fear of other people's opinions is not knowing who you are. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. But before I do, I got to tell you, my daughter's middle name is Lucia. It's not a name. Oh, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. It's a beautiful name. It is. Um, It means light. Yes. It's a family name for us. So, yeah. um, yeah, Okay. So how in the first place, it's fantastic when we say, oh, just be yourself. And when you don't know who you are, right? Like how helpful is that? It's it's not. Um, And the, my tagline for my business is be you, be free. And it's that for a reason, because when we can really be ourselves, then we can step into this freedom of confidence. But the work comes in figuring out who we are, that the be you is a a journey of exploration, uh, exploration. And so for so many years, my identity was I'm I'm Trish Blackwell, the swimmer. I used to go by Trisha, to be fair. So Trisha Blackwell, the swimmer. One of the reasons I dropped the A off my name was I needed a new identity. Um, And I also preferred Trish, but I really shifted into, okay, well, who am I? I'm not like we, these labels that get labeled on us, we are some from ourselves and some from, from, from the activities and things we do. And those aren't bad things, but we have to, if we want to really figure out who is Trish, like who is Maria, who is Kelly, like who are we? It, it goes back to the three things, like make time to journal, make time to ask questions, be willing to ask yourself, what is it that I actually do like? And I did this exploration with myself, um, was of just going like, well, who am I? Like, what do I really love? Well, it turns out I found out I love the color pink, like, like unnecessarily so. And I used to be embarrassed about that. And then I'm like, well, okay, why don't I just go, go for me, shaving my head was getting that bike custom painted. Right. Like, and <laughs> now I'm looking around, I'm like, everything I own is like rose gold. Like, and, and, and it's, but I had to ask myself, is it okay that I like this this much? And for me, you know, I mentioned words and, um, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to read the dictionary for fun. Like when I was eating breakfast, I it was my favorite thing to do, eat cereal and, and browse the dictionary. And for so many years, I was embarrassed of that. That's so, so nerdy. Like nobody else, like, I don't know anyone else that does that, but now I'm like, how about I just be cool with, I love dictionaries. Like there's like, I think we have a lot of cool clues in our past. And that made me go, oh, I really love words. So who's Trish? Trish is somebody who loves words. Now that's part of my identity versus like, oh, I do this nerdy thing. Like we, it goes back to us going, oh, writing ourselves off and oh, it's no big deal. Right. Like, and so I think if we create space to have the time to look at our, who we were as a child, who, what we enjoyed as activities. And then what are the things that draw us? Um, my, my mentor used to say, what is it that makes your soul sing? And you just start keeping track of that and paying attention. I started asking my friends and family, like, Hey, like kind of feel average. Tell me, I mean, you're supposed to tell me I'm not average. Cause you love me. You're my friend, but like, why do what, why am I just not like, why did you want to be friends with me? Why, why do you like hanging out with me or running with me or, and just 
those are hard conversations to have because they're very vulnerable. But you can give it back to them as well and help people see like, Hey, I want to, I want to build you up and tell you why I think you're so extraordinary, help people start seeing the little things that they have. So I think it goes back to creating space and then taking notes on yourself. If you would, if we can kind of put this investigative lens, um, no, I don't really like that. That's like an, an inspector gadget. Um, I like thinking about it as an adventure, getting to know who you are, getting to figure out who you are is an adventure. And most of us never take that adventure because most of us just go through life being the person we think we're supposed to be. And all of a sudden we're like, I don't really know what I like or who I am. But if you, it's never too late to figure this out, which is, I think what's pretty exciting. That's beautiful. Oh I love gosh, that. that is just gold. I'm like, I got goosebumps. It's exciting, right? Like, yeah. and then it takes, what I like about this too, because again, you got to remember I'm coming from really high pressure, self, high self-pressure performance-based. Like I want to figure it out. I should know more. When I go through the lens of adventure, there's, no right or wrong way. It's choose your own adventure. Like it's a exploration. It's every day I get to learn more. So I don't have to worry about this finish line, right? That keeps moving because it's, there's no finish line. Right, right. They call, you know, I love your use of words to reframe things. That's well, beautiful. and you are just building me back up uh, <laughs> like about my love of words and how, what would I be as effective of a coach or as a wife or friend or, or mother now, if I, if I didn't actually accept 10 years ago, go, Oh gosh, one of the most beautiful things about you, Trish, is that you do love words. Mm -hmm. Huh? It's okay that you don't, anybody else that's as kind of nerdy about it as you are. That's okay. That's part of who you are. And that, I, I almost didn't embrace that because I wasn't, it wasn't the status quo. It wasn't, it just made me feel different. Mm. Gosh, really, yeah, it's, a, gosh. it's a gift, right? It absolutely is. Yes, yes. Well, we're so grateful that you got into the words and everything that Thank you've done because you. I've been raised up and inspired and, and, you know, Me as too. a as a world class podcaster, we have to keep our show to a limit, or else our listeners will tune <laughs> us out. And I don't want us to don't want them to tune us out. So, um, you have so many great tools, books, classes online, um, coaching. For the last question, um, where can our listeners find you? What what are you excited about? Where you know, if they want more Trish Blackwell and they want more of this great stuff, what what can they do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, two, I'll just go do two simple resources. One, because if somebody's listening, you're already a podcast listener. So we know you're going to like podcasts. Go over to whatever podcast app you use and look up The Confidence Podcast. And so that is my show. You will find a lot of episodes. <laughs> so just be yes. prepared. Um, but yeah, you'll have... Um, they all have beautiful titles. And thank I've worked hard at those. So thank you for affirming that as well. Um, there are over 300. I think we're at 330-something, 327. Um, so there's a lot of resource there. Um, and then you can also go to my website um, and look up the podcast tab because then you can search based on topic if you want. Um, but then the thing I'm really excited about, Kelly and, um, and Maria right now, is that is this new free class I have started. It's an um, online masterclass. It is free. And it is how to have more confidence. It is literally, the class is literally called how to have more confidence. And in that class, I break down the five stages of confidence. I, I talk about the three biggest mistakes, confidence mistakes that people make. And then the three, um, the three elements that go into the, what I call the confidence formula and how to apply those to your life. So you can get from first and foremost, identify what stage of confidence are you in? And then 
not how to skip a stage, but how to get to the next stage. Because one of the, I think the things that holds a lot of people back is they're, let's say hypothetically, they're at stage two and they want to get to stage four or five and they, and they just keep skipping stage three. And they're like, why am I still like, and they, you can't skip a stage. They're like, and, and so I think, and this is just work I've, I've figured out over and research from, from my past um, years of coaching of realizing that the biggest cause of people not making progress wasn't not their effort, but it was them trying to skip necessary steps. And so that whole class breaks all that down. And I'm really excited about it. I just, just launched it last month and it finally was like, wow, this is the 10 years of research all into one. And it makes me really excited. So you can get a free seat for that at trishblackwell.com forward slash free class. Wonderful. Wonderful. That is, that is great. Well, um, we have, this has just been exceeded my expectations and yeah, it's just been so wonderful. And, uh, Maria, anything? Oh, Trish, I'd love to, I'd love to have coffee with you and, and ask you a million more questions. Thanks Thanks for what you're doing and for the, um, you know, for the confidence that you're helping to build in, in, and particularly in women out there. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Keep up the great job. We, we all need you out there. Thank you. We'll do. Thank you, girls. So Maria, wow. What a wonderful, wonderful interview. So much great stuff from Trish. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think she's very wise. She's thought deeply about these things and struggled with them clearly in her own life. So, uh, I love, I loved her. I thought she was, um, wise and authentic. Fantastic. So, uh, Give me a couple of your takeaways. What are you going to take away from here? Yeah, there was so much. Like she said, she likes words. So her words, I kept writing down words that she said because they were so great. But I think for me, the takeaways personally are going to be, and, um, you know, for anybody else who this speaks to, one, that time in the day that you get, you make for quiet time is really, really, really important. It's it's just as important as exercise. For me, I you know, I've always prioritized exercise because it makes me feel good. And her reminder that it's just as important or even more important um, was really good for me. And the second takeaway for me was um, that that quieting your mind, you know, right now my mind is just going a million directions because I'm moving and there's just a lot happening. And I've had a really hard time quieting myself. And so her her reminder that quieting your mind takes time and practice. And when you first start doing it, it doesn't feel good was so great for me. It just reminded me, yes, yes I can do that. So and I know, Kelly, you had must have had some takeaways, too. What were yours? Yeah, well, I had a lot of them. But I just in the interest of time. Uh, I think if we each give two, that would be great. So I loved the um, idea of not caring what people think that that's part of confidence it's just i don't give a hoot what people think and then doing something to prove that you don't care what people think like wearing your pajama bottoms to the grocery store yeah. so i yeah, just i love that but in order to so the second part of that in order to get to that of being you know authentic and not caring is kind of spending time and journaling and thinking of it as an adventure of who am I? Um, yes. You know, who was I as a child? What activities do you, you know, did I like? And um, and then once you get there, you know, I loved her story about loving pink and being kind of not connected to that until later. And she just decided, hey, I love pink and I'm going to I'm going to wear it loud and proud and it's going to be part of me. So I think um, 
one, getting to who you are authentically and then wearing that without being, um, without caring what people think. So those are my two takeaways. We got your two takeaways. Um, and then let's wrap it with uh, what is your your action item, Maria, coming out of here? What are you going to do? And uh, I'm going to, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go outside and and uh, sit under the tree and and quiet my mind. Okay. So listeners, if you're doing with us these action items, Maria's action item is is quiet your mind. And you know where I'm going with this one next. Wear those pajama <laughs> bottoms to the grocery store <laughs> or, or whatever it is for you. You know, whatever yeah. that, that yeah. thing is where you're just going to prove that you just don't care what people think. So. That's just, I, as, you know, I've said it before. My husband's that way. He he really, I mean, I think he's like everyone. He struggles with what people think of him. But he more than anyone just, he just doesn't care. And it makes him a beautiful and brave and wonderful man. Yes, I agree with that about my baby brother. <laughs> and you're like that too, Kelly. Well, we had a good, we had a good confidence instilling mother. So, all right. Well, that is another wrap on this show. That is going to be our 20th episode, Maria. And congratulations to us and to, you know, you listeners out there that are following us. Uh, if you thank like you us, so yes. much for listening. Thank you for listening. And if you like us, um, subscribe on YouTube and, and um, give us some comments and, and reviews on iTunes. We so appreciate yes. it. Appreciate it. You listening and we'll talk with you next week. Bye now. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from us from Brene Brown. Perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be our best. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievement and growth. It's a shield from being your true self. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today. And we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Please see below for our copy of the show notes for any links or important information referenced here. Signing off for myself and champion co-host Kelly Palace. We hope you'll join us again soon. And we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.